Okay, Tzorayim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Das Hasviros. We're on the, I believe it's the 20, yes, 23rd essay. We're talking about the letters of the Sefer Torah, the musical notes on how you read the, the Sefer Torah, the dots, the nekudot, and the crowns that are on top of them. As we find in uh, all the Hebrew language is based on that. So on Friday we ended up the discussion discussion of the notes, where the notes give the whole deepest meaning and expression of what's going on, and that's hinting to all the mysteries of the Torah, the, re- the real reasons behind the Torah, the ones that we are not capable of understanding, and that's going to be the great reward of the righteous in the next word, world. That's all with the notes that are there. And it's very interesting. The Orachim HaKadosh says regarding learning Torah, if people would feel the sweetness of Torah, they would be running after it like crazy people. If you really knew how sweet Torah was, people would be running after it. Uh... And, and he said, and therefore, I mean, he says, we really wouldn't have free will choice anymore because we wouldn't be doing it for the reward, but because of the pleasure that's in the study of Torah. And so it is with any mitzvah. If people really understood the reasons of the mitzvahs, you wouldn't have any free will choice. It would be the obvious thing to do, but that's why it's concealed. It, it's, you have to really dig deep to really appreciate what Torah is about. And that's why those ta'amim, the real sweetness, learning Torah does not come easily. And therefore, because it doesn't come easily, therefore most people just don't appreciate how amazing it is. So therefore, but once you would get to that, and, or we don't realize when we're doing a mitzvah, how much you're accomplishing with a mitzvah. That's all concealed from us. But if we would, we'd be jumping to the misses. Wouldn't it be free will choice? So the free will choice is that we don't sense how amazing it is. We have to have bitachon. Then we do mitzvahs. It accomplishes amazing things. And only when we leave this world will we really understand how great was our accomplishments. So that's all hinted in the musical notes of the mitzvahs of the Torah. Everything that's in the Torah. Then we get to the dots, the nikudos, a o e i where we said that that is the essential life that is in the letters. Because if a letter does not have any dots, we don't even know what the, what the, what the word means. You know, you can put certain dots in a word, it says one thing, you put different dots, it's a whole different word. And without the dots, you can't even pronounce the words, okay? Uh, like we said, the letter Aleph doesn't say anything. Letter ayin doesn't say anything. You have to put some dots under it to make noise. But even if, or even words that can make sounds, but they don't have the right sounds, so you don't know exactly how to read the word. Is the word lamed uh, ches? Is it lecha uh, or is it loch? One for a male, one for a female. Uh, there's all kinds of different words without understanding it, and therefore this becomes a more a less subtle revelation that they have some activity and movement to them so that brings some 
life to the words, or else the words are totally dead. Okay? And um, now we get to the next level is the crowns. That, this, that is, expresses the source of those letters. And again, the, those crowns were not revealed to us. Only to Rabbi Akiva were they revealed to us. And finally, the letters is the kli, is the utensil where all the flow and all the energies come into it. Now, taking this idea, so now we're going to take these four aspects of words and apply it to the four levels of the individual. The individual has a physical body. Then we have the nefesh, the lowest spiritual level that et eternalizes all the things that are going on through our actions. Then the ruach is the spirit, the power of speech, the emotions. And then the neshama, the part of the intellect that's even beyond us. So very clearly, the letters, remember we said every Jew is one letter in the Torah. Who knows what letter we are, but we're all like one letter in the Torah. So just like a letter, so the letter has the physical letter, the physical letter that represents the body. Where, and that's the receptacle where everything happens. And that's the lowest part of the keli, so to speak, of the utensil. Then the crown, which is just attached to it, that's the part that relates to the nefesh. That just like the nefesh, it lights up the body, so to speak. And that's where the body and the soul are merging at the lowest levels. So that's like the crown that's like attached to the letter. And it's only attached in a little area of letter. But that's what uh, illuminates the entire letter and it enables that light to stay there. The dots correspond to the Ruach. Again, the Ruach gives sound and speech and you're able to express yourself. And the musical notes, that refers to the Neshama, that's the most subtle part and that's the understanding that is so uh, beyond what we can see and therefore those are the musical notes. And that's why we said, I think a couple classes ago, that's why when you have a Sefer Torah, the only thing you see when you open up a Sefer Torah is what? Of the four things, what do you see in the Sefer Torah? You just got an Aliyah today. The letters and the crowns. That's it. You don't see the dots and you don't see the musical notes. Right? So All letters do not have crowns. No, that's right. Some have crowns, some don't. And there's a whole mystical understanding for that. There are, uh, where are they over here? I, I had them over here somewhere. It's the, the letters Shatnez Getz. Those are seven letters that have three crowns and there's six letters uh, that have one crown. Okay, that's already out of our, uh, what do you call it? Ability to uh, understand things for for now, but not all letters have crowns, but they work together as words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why sheen on the has three and four? On the... That's a different different discussion. Okay. That's 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 a, a lot more than what we can talk about right now. So again, so therefore, when the Torah has just the letters and the crown, 
because that's the part of the person that we can see we could see a living person so the person the body is the letter the fact that we're alive and moving that's proof that inside of us there is a life force that's the nefesh that little very dot is keeping us alive that we can all be aware of but the rest we really can't tell until we read it until we actually read it so therefore the reading would be like for the dots so to speak and then the deeper understanding the depth and those are things that are beyond us and therefore those two you just when you look at a person you can just tell he's got a body and he's alive that's it now he's got to open his mouth for us to know that he has some more um levels of soul and he has to speak intelligently so maybe even has higher levels of soul but so therefore in the Sefer Torah you just look at the Sefer Torah it's like you're looking at a bunch of bodies that are alive but that's it now when the Chazin reads you see now he's adding life through the Nikudos the dots and he's adding understanding through the musical notes and that's really what you see how this works now that if you really want to be fully alive on all four <coughs> four levels you have to be a person who <coughs> learns Torah now we could take this one more step you can say you can make a chart out of all these things so now what else can we do well how many levels of Torah study are there four and what are those four the acronym is pardes the orchard Pay stands for pshat. Pshat is the simple understanding. When you're learning Torah, you read what it says is the simple understanding. That corresponds to the letters. Okay? That corresponds to the letters. Then after pshat is what? Remez. There's a hint. Meaning to say, the text is written in a certain way that there's, it's not written perfectly means it's hinting there's something much more to this text over here so what part relates to that the little crown the little crown is like a little hint there's something more to this letter over here than what you see and that um, piques your interest to pursue more in other words that is telling us there's more than what we see and therefore we move on to the next step part shot remish drush that's the drush, the midrash, who tells us, well, this is really what was going on over there. And now that is the dots. Because until you really express it, you don't even know it's there. But then we get to the deepest level is the sodas, the secret. What was behind all of this? What is, you know, okay, we, we, there was a simple action. There was a hint of something else. Now we understand there was something much more going on. But then what was driving that? What was the subconscious subliminal source to all that where you really can't see anything? That's the tomb. That's the tomb. So, and, and that's why all stories in the Torah work that way. And the reason why Hashem wants us to have and therefore each layer is hinting to that. So just like when you look at the letters, this is what I see. I see a bunch of letters. But one thing's for sure, those letters alone are not going to tell you very much. If anything, you'll be misguided by those letters. 
you could jumble the letters any way you want. Then there's these little corrounds that says, well, there's got to be something more to these letters. That, now when you express them, now that you got dots and you have words, whoa, now I see what's really going on behind those letters. I get a sense of what's going on. I wouldn't have known that without the dots. And then finally the tune, the way the tune comes, it's telling me the deepest uh, motivation that's behind everything. And just like we said, every, just how you read a Torah, that's every Jew is a letter. And that's why we have all this is to realize that when you interact with other people, you have to realize there's four levels you can interact with a person. You can interact with the body. You see he does something, and you interact with that. But one thing's for sure, that's a very dangerous business, because you don't know what really is behind that action. So let us say, for example, you meet somebody that you know, you put your hand out, and he walks right past you. Okay, so what did you, you only saw one layer. He walked past you. Be foolish to make a decision, a reaction based on that. But then, if you were bothering to look at his face, he seemed a little bit preoccupied. It wasn't a regular face. It wasn't like normally he has a jolly face, but he didn't even give you eye contact. So there's like a hint that maybe something's going on. Now, if you're smart, you're gonna search more and try to find out and you'll ask somebody, is there something, something going on with that guy? Yeah, his, uh, his father just died. When? 10 minutes ago. So he's probably going to the memorial chapel. You could understand why he uh, didn't notice you. And that's the dots. But then more than that is like what was going on in his mind. This person intellectually, emotionally is crushed. And that's totally hidden. You understand? So, so that's why the letters are presented that way. The stories are presented that way. To understand that that is the way reality is. And just like when you look at a safer Torah without any dots, you have no idea what's going on. If you just see the letters and nothing else, without crowns, you'd totally be lost. The crowns are telling you there's something going on here. I may not understand exactly what's going on here, but there's something going on here. And then when you have the dots, it's expressing the actual thing that's going on, yet we don't yet know what's behind all that, and that becomes the melody that, that, that accentuates what the whole expression um, is, is uh, telling us about the realities that's going on. Now, we come to the next interesting thing. Very interesting. When we're dealing with all these layers of the letter, now we're gonna play some number games and see how this affects everything. Well, how many letters do we have in letters? 22 are the basic letters, not including the end letters. We'll talk about that in the next chapter. But there's 22 basic letters of the alphabet. Interestingly, so does English. You have 22. Okay. But English doesn't have final letters. Okay. How many different types? They have vowels. What? English has vowels. But it's 22 letters is everything. Okay. Now, dots. How many different forms of dots are there? There's 10. There's 10. 
five tenua gedolas, five tenua katanas, five we call larger notes and five smaller notes. Okay, how many different cantillation notes are there? It's thirteen. Twenty-two, ten, and thirteen. Why those numbers? Okay, well, obviously, ten spheros. Uh, ten, ten, ten uh, dots is ten spheros. So within every dot, it represents a different sphera. Thirteen musical notes, that's the thirteen attributes of mercy. That really expresses God's supernal conduct that comes from the keser, comes from the highest reality, and that is the highest. Remember, the notes is the highest reality, and that's coming from the crown, which is also the highest reality. Okay. Uh, ten for the ten spheros. Okay, what else we got over here? Yeah, okay, and the 22 letters. Obviously, you have 22 letters together with the 10 notes because they go together. What number is that? 32, which is lave, which is the heart. And also, there's 32 passages of wisdom that we talked about, which is the beginning of the revelation of everything that comes into the world. Now, with this, we can now understand something as we close. What? 22 plus 10. Because when you're looking the letter together with the dots, that really is expressive. And that becomes the 32 pathways of wisdom, which is the beginning of the revelation of the flow that's in the creation that comes from the world of Chachmah. Finally, if we understand this this way, so let's go to Rosh Hashanah, which is, believe it or not, only two months away from this third, this start Wednesday. Start practicing shofar. What? Start practicing. Start practicing shofar. So we blow the shofar. Which one of the four aspects of these letters would shofar fit into? Crowns. Hod. What? Hod. The four aspects of letter, crown, dots, and musical note. Musical note. It's the time. Says the Svasemis. What's the whole purpose of blowing the shofar? Because really, it's it's accentuating. Remember, the time is the most subliminal part of reality. It's the first revelation of Hashem. When Hashem used the letters to create the world, what was the first aspect? What was the most sublime aspect? Were the notes? Because that's so concealed, and that's going to bring in that notes is that general feeling, meter, whatever, before we get into brass tacks. So therefore, what are you hearing when the chauffeur is blown without anything else? It's just a note. It's a, and there's different musical notes. You got a straight note, a staccato note, those kinds of notes, because that is the initial aspect we have not yet gotten to words, dots, all those things. It's just notes. Now, when we read it from the Torah, we read the letter with the dots and the notes all together. Hashem Now, that's not just Vayidaber. We're already taking those letters and put dots and put note to it and all that. And that's, but let's go way to the beat. Just da 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 da. What's that? What's that? that? That's just a note. That's the beginning of the expression. 
So therefore, when we're blowing the shofar, the Arizal says, we're trying to awaken Hashem to bring the great shofar of the Mashiach. Okay? And therefore, the bracha we make is not to blow the shofar, but to hear the shofar. Because the real point of blowing the shofar is to arouse that Hashem should once again bring that initial shofar. Because then that shofar, why is it going to be a shofar when Mashiach comes? That's the initial sound where Hashem's going to recreate the world the way He wants it to be created. That initial sound when Hashem said, Vayahi Bereshis, that was the, before even B came the, the tune that shows the beginning of that. Okay, and really what was Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah was the beginning of the creation of the world. And we want to go back to that very first beautiful, pristine revelation that wasn't dirtied by anything. And we want to arouse that initial point of creation where the world was created with kindness. And we want to reestablish it from that point this day. Every year, God, so to speak, reestablishes this. So we want to go to the heart of the issue before anything got dirtied up. It's just that sound. And that's the kavana you should have, the intention you should have when they're blowing the shofar, is you want to go not only to God's initial point of creation, but to your initial point of creation. Remember, we all come from that little, remember, just like we have a letter, it's a gross letter, very undefined, and then we have to have realize there's a crown. Now you understand why when the Jews received the Torah, they all got crowns. Well, so some they got crowns because every letter of the Torah or together in combination has crowns. So we were crowned with something much deeper that already begins the, uh, the connection of spirituality with physicality. That was the point of the Torah. So now we got those crowns and then we have to go higher and higher to that. And that was why there's a chauffeur at the blowing at the giving of the Torah is a shofar because now a new world order comes into the world. We now have come to the point where there's human beings who are totally identified with the eternal God. And we are eternal beings from that. And that was, so to speak, historically, a Rosh Hashanah sort of thing. Even though it wasn't Rosh Hashanah, but there was a change in humanity. The Jewish people, for that moment, went out of the world of death into a world where there's no death. That was a whole new reality that happened. And that's what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And therefore, when we're blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, we want to at least come back to our initial starting point. And therefore, when we blow, we should not blow from fear. We should not blow from trembling. But as the Vilna Gon says, we should blow with joy. Because... The whole point of our initial point is to be totally connected to Hashem. That's where that, it starts from that initial blowing. Okay, and therefore in the 10 days of tshuva, our avoda is to do actual tshuva, and then we start working on the rest. We start going the rest, we start working on the crowns and the dots and the letters. That's the, the, the lower level work of actually making changes in our life that reflects the lower parts of the sound, so to speak. But Rosh Hashanah, the beginning, is just the pure sound showing the depth of the relationship. And really, the truth of the matter is a really good relationship 
doesn't need more than sound. If, if you really totally are totally connected with somebody else, you don't have to say anything. Just a, a little sound is, shows that connection that's there. When, when a mother sings a lullaby to a child without any words, it says more than anything else that's there, that, that deep, heartfelt uh, tune. You know, it's just, it's just that's, that's the source of that connection. That's what we want to come back to on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, now, that's the end of chapter, essay 23. We got about five minutes to start essay 24. Uh, by the way, tomorrow, not likely to have a class because I'll be in Hamilton for a bris. Yeah, so I don't want to have to rush and this and that. And uh, we're only going to have like two more classes till we finish this book. And unfortunately, the next book is in Israel. It's not coming till <laughs> Thursday night, so we'll have to see what we'll do after that. Okay, so the 24th essay is called The 22 Letters of the Torah, which we already have discussed, you know, that that is the periodical table of creation, all those things we talked about. But also, the Torah not just is creation, but it includes God's conduct in the world. Any conduct that is happening as the world is moving forward is based on the 22 letters. It's interesting because the 22 letters only created the world, but they maintain the world and they'll also shift the world. God will change what he says up in heaven and can change certain realities right now. That's why the Gemara says a very fascinating statement. It says, God is engaged in Torah. What does God do? God's learning Torah. What do you mean God's learning Torah? So the meaning is, because remember, the root of all creation comes from the Torah. And therefore, God is, so to speak, engaged in the Torah, and he conducts the world the way the Torah is the way of, 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 of uh, controls and maintains the world. So, for example, so when the Torah says certain mitzvahs or averos, or God says, you know, if Shema Yisrael, okay, Shema Yisrael, what's in the Shema Yisrael? You should uh, love Hashem always. And if you do what Hashem says, the rain's going to fall and everything's going to be good. And if you don't do, the rain's not going to fall. It's not going to be good. Those letters are working all the time. So Hashem now, he's looking at the world and he's saying, is the world doing what they're supposed to or not? Or, well, if there's mitzvahs you should do, avers you shouldn't do. And if you do certain mitzvahs, we know we get blessed. And you do averas, there's punishments. And everything in between. So, and then there's promises God gives. God says, you know, you'll be strong. You'll you'll have trust in God. You won't be afraid. All these different elements. So God now looks at the Torah and he sees how we behave. And now God just, so to speak, reads again those parts of the Torah as they apply to us. And then things happen. That's when God's learning Torah. You understand? So it's like let's let's try to say let's say you're uh, <clears throat> you're building these condos. So what happens? They first start with a blueprint. Blueprint. What is that blueprint? That is exactly how we're going to build this building. So the Torah is the blueprint for the world. Okay. Now let's say you're building the building, and then some people do a bad job in certain areas on certain floors. So what's going to happen to the blueprint? 
Well, you're not following the blueprint. God forbid you could have what happened in South Florida. The building can fall because they didn't follow the blueprint. Or sometimes they make, or what if somebody says, you know, I'd like to change something. And you're on the seventh floor and you want to change something on the seventh floor. Well, then you got to go back to the blueprint, change it. When you renovate a house, you got to come up with the new blueprints and how to change certain things based on this. Now, why, why, when you, why do you renovate a house? Well, we have more kids, we need more space. Um, I don't need, I, I, I need a bigger kitchen. I need all these things you need, right? And what happens, the, you always have to make new diagrams, new blueprints to change things. So Hashem interacts with the world and everything in the world started from the Torah, so it doesn't change. And therefore, when we're reading the Torah, that's why there's a big concept in Hasidus, is that the Torah reading always parallels what's going on during the week. And now you have to be very smart to be able to figure out, well, what happened in that week based on what it says in the Torah. So like a number of weeks ago, when we talked about the, uh, the submarine that went right to the bottom, right? We said that's the partial where Korach went right down to the bottom. So, you know, that's you know, a human endeavor of trying to have it live with the Parsha. And to say, yes, if people are egotistical like Korach, they will go down to the bottom. That is what the framework of Torah is. And could be God said, okay, we're going to apply this Pasuk right now. It's happening right now in this situation. And therefore, the blueprint is going to say this. And that's what God is learning Torah. Every moment. Because what does learning Torah mean? Getting the message of Torah and applying it. Well, guess, if everything God does in the world is through, well, he doesn't have to, but he chooses to do it through the venue of the Torah. So that it depends on, you know, what is the Torah saying? What's going on in the world? Or better yet, people who are learning the Torah and they're bringing out certain realities. And when you're learning Torah, the Rebchaim Velasha says from the Zohar that when you learn Torah, Hashem's learning Torah with you. So when you're learning certain parts of Torah, Hashem is learning certain parts of Torah, and that could bring very beneficial results to the blueprint that's going on over here. So this, this becomes a very important aspect of its, its continuous. Therefore, what we're really saying is every week when we're reading the Parsha, we're re-looking at the blueprint. And every time, so now especially the, this week's where we're in... Uh, this, this Shabbos is Tvarim. Tvarim has a lot to do with Chorban, with destruction. Okay? There's a lot of Musar in this Parsha. And God is, is kind of reading the blueprint. Okay, what's going to happen to the Jewish people? This is uh, a very, um, what's the word? Uh, it's, it's a month where a lot of uh, cataclysmic things can happen. But on the other hand, it could be the reverse. It's a very extreme month. It's eventually going to be the time of Mashiach. We already said that when Mashiach comes between the se- in the original plan, when God gave us the Torah, and he gave us the Torah, had we not sinned with the golden calf, the 17th day of Thomas would have been a yontif. You know why? Because Moshe brought down the Torah. If we just weren't dancing with a calf, there could be no happier day than that. That's 40 days after he spoke the Torah, he gave us the Torah. That would have been an amazing yontif. And for the next three weeks, we would take this Torah, and what will we do with this Torah? We would now move into Eretz Yisrael on the 9th of August. 
It'd be a three-week holiday. Oy vavoy, but what did the Jews do to the blueprint? They messed up. They messed up. And now these three weeks are always problematic because the blueprint has now been shifted. Now, and that's why it's always problematic. But we also know Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av, and when Mashiach comes, it's going to come back. These three weeks are going to be amazing weeks. And why are they going to be amazing? It's from the Torah it's coming. So we're living with this blueprint all the time. So we want to make changes, just follow what the blueprint is saying and stay with the messages. And therefore, we, we really try to pay a lot of attention to the Torah readings here. Because every week, it's really creating your reality. The question is, how well can you get the message that's going there? Okay, we'll leave it at that. And tomorrow, no class. We'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday and Thursday, we should finish the book. And the next book...